It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked on Raptors, we continue a wonderful game that we started last week. We have lots of leftovers from mid-level madness. I have a bunch of names of potential mid-level targets sitting in a hat. I'm going to pick them out by myself and argue both sides of signing said player. We'll do that for a couple segments before in the final segment of the show, Robert Ori stops by, not to chat with me, but to rather chat with Pete Bukowski of Locked on Sports Today to preview the NBA Finals. That's all coming up on today's episode episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for being here. You are Locked On Raptors, your daily Toronto Raptors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1189 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, June. Oh, yeah, it's June 2nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. You can also subscribe to Rate Review the Podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps. And you can go to YouTube and subscribe. Join the nearly 2,100 folks who have signed up over there to get those episodes free and enter any every Every time you, you, you get some notifications and all that stuff, you'll never miss an episode if you go and subscribe. So thank you in advance for doing that. And be sure to check out the, this week's episodes. There were some fun ones this week, including yesterday's chat with Brendan Clean from Locked On Suns about DeAndre Ayton and whether he might be a fit with the Toronto Raptors. On today's show, we're going to aim a little lower than DeAndre Ayton, and we're going to continue mid-level madness, which was a hit last week when we had Lewis Zatzman on for the two-part episode. If you missed that last Thursday and Friday, I highly recommend you go check it out. Basically, the the concept of the game is I put a bunch of names in a hat of of guys who might be mid-level targets for the Raptors with their $10.3 million mid-level exception. I pull the names out of the hat, and then we argue one side or the other as to whether the Raptors should try and sign said guy. 
On today's show, it's just me, so I'm going to play both sides of the uh, argument, and we'll dig into that. We'll probably get through five or six different names on today's show, and then as I teased off the top in the final segment, Robert Ori sat down with Pete Bukowski of Locked On Sports Today and previewed the NBA Finals, so we'll run that little treat for you at the end of the show. So just a couple of segments of me today, as you get a bit of a reprieve from 30 minutes of me. It's just like 20 minutes of me now instead. All right. Let's get to it. We're going to play Mid-Level Madness. Before we do that, though, I should tell you that our friends over at rockauto.com are bringing you today's show. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Okay, let's dive in to Mid-Level Madness. I have, once again, my very special, bedazzled, his and hers hat from the time my fiance and I got engaged like three years ago in the before times. And uh, our friends gave him two, uh, these little his and hers hats. And so now I'm using it for content, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, all right. So we've got a bunch of names here. We're going to pull them out of the hat as we go. And we'll just go 90 seconds. I'm not going to be too strict with timing myself on these. But it'll be, you know, uh, about 90 seconds each way for and against each player. First up out of the hat, we have my fave, JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee is the selection out of the hat. So in the big man category, we just mixed together in here. I did. I, there's no we. It's just me. I mixed together the leftover uh, players from last week's wing and bigs edition. So now there's just a medley of wings and bigs and guards and shooters and all this stuff in the hat. It's a wonderful time. As is JaVale McGee who was really good this season for the Phoenix Suns. 9.2 points, 6.7 boards. He shot 63% from the field. And, of course, he had that big-time highlight in the postseason where he stripped Luka Doncic and went the other way to yam it down. Sad that the series did not end in a win. It will be forgotten to history, that lovely, hilarious play by JaVale McGee. And for me, when I'm thinking of the Raptors' big man position, what am I looking for? I'm thinking of a guy who can be a capable backup without forcing the Raptors' hand and making them play the guy more than Precious Achua. Because I think playing Precious Achua 30 minutes a game next season is kind of a necessity. He saw so much growth this year in a, you know, 22, 23-minute-a-game role. Why wouldn't you want to see more Precious Achua to see if he can expand upon what he's already expanded upon as a pro? And JaVale McGee feels like a perfect player to drop in behind Precious Achua, give you some stability with the bench, give you a guy who sort of fits the bill of a guy who Chris Boucher tends to play quite well with. Uh, you get a lob thread in there, of course, and you also just get, like, the impeccable vibes of JaVale McGee. I think this is a kind of a no-brainer, and I don't think it would take the entirety of the mid-level exception to get him in town either. You know, he probably could be had for $5 million a year over one or two years, maybe a team option on the second year, something like that. Uh, I, I think that's totally within the realm of possibility with JaVale McGee. He's also kind of really, I know there's this sort of impression of JaVale McGee because of Shaqton a fool, essentially, um, where, you know, he's been kind of deemed this, you know, sort of weird, uh, you know, player who's going to just screw up all the time and not give you any actual production. But actually, he is quite good at basketball and he's really taken up this fun role in the back part of his career where he's just been this sort of mercenary backup who joins contenders to help them win 
Would the Raptors be in the position where they're a contender next season with JaVale McGee? And, and is that what he's looking for? Perhaps not. But I think you slot JaVale McGee into the Raptors for five, six, seven million bucks. He made five million bucks with the Suns this past year. So you'd assume that's going to be the baseline of what he's going to look for. Um, you know, a one year, $5 million deal seems pretty reasonable to me if he's looking just to sort of keep running that back. He made four million the year before uh, with the Nuggets, four million the year before that with the Lakers. So it's not like he's commanding massive, massive money. And what he does is just like a very steady, highly effective rim protector who still has some athletic bounce, even though he's 34 years old, um, plus all the good vibe stuff that comes with him, where everyone just seems to love having JaVale McGee around. I think to me, that's a no-brainer. On the other side, you know, maybe you want someone a little bit more unproven with a little bit more upside to potentially tap into if you're the Raptors, right? Maybe you want to go and find a guy who's a little earlier in his career and not at this sort of ring hunting stage of his career. It also is possible that McGee just wouldn't want to come to Toronto because they're not in that contender spot. And that seems to have been the niche that he's occupied from the Warriors to the Lakers to the Nuggets to the Suns. Like he's been on some really, really good teams in recent years. And, you know, I, I wonder, if the, the Raptors sort of where they are in their win curve is maybe not quite where he would want to fit in. And then you're sort of looking at a bench unit. If you bring back Thad Young, you bring in JaVale McGee, you're probably looking at a bench unit that's a little long in the tooth, maybe a little unreliable health-wise. You know, JaVale hasn't played full seasons necessarily. He played, you know, 74 games this season, but the season before that, just 46. Season before that, 68, 65, 34. Like, he, he's had some, you know, ups and downs in terms of his playing time. And so... Maybe that's not the reliable option you're looking for. I think JaVale's reliable. I think he's proven as such. And I think contenders keep on signing him because he is reliable. But if you're looking for the opposite side of the coin, then perhaps that is a bit of a knock against JaVale McGee as a potential Toronto Raptors player. We're going to toss JaVale McGee aside for now. We're going to pull another hat, name out of the hat. Here we go. We have, ooh, another one. This is a fun one, kind of on the other side. This sort of younger guy who might fit the timeline of the Raptors a bit more with some upside. And that is Orlando Magic Center restricted free agent Mo Bamba. So Mo Bamba is interesting. Actually, on yesterday's episode about DeAndre Ayton, a comment came in uh, suggesting that Instead of DeAndre Ayton, why not go for a guy like Mo Bamba? It's a lot to commit to a guy like DeAndre Ayton. Of course, you'd be trading valuable assets to get DeAndre Ayton in on a sign-and-trade as well. And Mo Bamba seems to really fit that. So the argument for Mo Bamba is he's not DeAndre Ayton. He's not going to cost 30 million bucks a year. You might be able to get him for the mid-level exception over a couple years. Maybe he wants a prove-it deal. Maybe you give him a year with a player option or something like that just to get him in the door. That could be a, a way you bring in Mo Bamba. And look, he had his best season as an NBA player this year. You know, he started to shoot threes a little bit. He's enormous. He is kind of surprisingly spry for a man of his enormous size. And it's always difficult to know how much of the Orlando Magic screwed this guy up, right? The Raptors feel like if they get their hands on a guy like Mo Bamba, maybe that's someone they can mold in their own image. And much like I talked about yesterday with Aiton, a reason you might want DeAndre Aiton on the team is that in theory, he can do a lot of the things that the Raptors ask of their defenders in terms of mobility and sort of rotating and filling in space. And Mo Bamba at his size, I don't think he's quite as spry or quick as DeAndre Aiton, but maybe there's something to tap into there. And then just the fact that he 
covers so much ground is a useful asset to potentially have as part of your defense as well. A similar thing with the Precious Achua thing as well, where I don't know if you're like going to grant Mo Bamba 30 minutes a game, but if he's your backup who can come in and play reliable minutes in the event Precious is having an off night or there's an injury or something like that, I kind of don't hate the idea of Mo Bamba with the Toronto Raptors. The other side of it is that Mo Bamba's never really been all that especially good, and he finally started to show some signs early this season, but, you know, it's not like he was a world beater. He played 26 minutes a game, 11 points, 8 boards, 1.2 assists. Uh, he shot 56% from two-point range, which is not really what you want for a guy who's like seven foot three. Like, there's... That's a little bit uh, of a red flag, I would say. He did shoot 38% on four threes a game, though. That's not nothing. Like, that's a pretty substantial size. Uh, and he's not been, like, a terrible three-point shooter in the earlier stages of his career either. You know, 30%, three, 34%, 32%. Like, he hasn't been a 15% just complete non-factor there. He's, you know, averaged two and a half attempts a game over his career and has shot 35% all told in 226 games. Maybe that's something to look into. And, you know, if you get that shooting from the center position from Mo Bamba and Precious Achua, and you can combine to have them shoot six threes a game at 35, 36%, you're cooking, especially when you have the spacing issues that exist elsewhere on the roster. When you have Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, who are, you know, fine to bad to not great shooters, um, you know, th there's, I think, something to the idea of trying to load up the shooting at the other more non traditional positions to try to balance that out. So, I, I have a hard time seeing a downside, honestly, to Bamba on the devil's advocate side. Um, you know, just the fact that maybe he commands more than 10 million bucks based on the season he just had. Maybe he's looking to go get and pay, go get paid. Maybe the Magic just want to keep him around. But with the Magic likely taking Jabari Smith first overall and them already having 10,000 other big men and power forwards on the roster, maybe Bomba's the guy that gets squeezed here as they have to start thinking about paying guys like Cole Anthony and, you know, you know a couple other guys. They don't have a lot of talent. What are we talking about here? But, uh, <laughs> they, they, you know, they, they might just view Bomba as a guy who is not worth the huge, huge investment. Um, you know, I, I would like to see a little bit more in terms of, like, rim pressure from Bomba and things like that, but... Yeah, that's probably the only real downside to him, considering what he's been able to do with the Magic and, you know, had an actual real NBA season of real production this past year. So I think that kind of leaves you a little bit to hope on. With that, we're going to continue on. We'll probably pull two or three more names out of the hat on the other side. This mid-level madness thing is going to keep us going for like three weeks, I think, because there's a lot of dudes in this hat who we have yet to get to, who I'm excited to talk about at some point for the Raptors to potentially sign or not sign. So... We'll get to that in just a second to finish up and pull out two or three more names before we get to Robert Ori. But before we do that, let me tell you about rockauto.com, who are the place to go if you're looking to save money when you have something wrong with your vehicle. No one wants to spend that much money on fixing their car, man. Gas prices are through the roof, and parts at auto shops and mechanics are like artificially overpriced because there's this artificial scarcity. It's, ooh, we only have the one part, therefore we must charge you the full price. Don't do that. Go to rockauto.com. It's an easy-to-use website, so easy that I can use it and I know nothing about cars or using websites. If you go to rockauto.com, you can navigate, put in your make, your model, and find all those, the, the different options for the part that you need. You can get different prices, brand specifications, and you get the choice. The power is back in your hands when you go to rockauto.com. they got everything you need from brake parts and tail lamps to motor oil and new carpets, everything else in between, the important stuff, the aesthetic stuff. And again, their prices are very low, and they're the same for professionals or do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now, see other parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's continue on your first listen of the day here and dig into a couple more names from the beautiful bedazzled hat for mid-level madness i'm sorry it's a solo edition today by the way meant to get a guest and then i couldn't line one up and that's all right it's a busy day no worries here we go next guy here is ooh, interesting one bryn forbes bryn forbes who if i'm not mistaken most recently played for the denver nuggets he's been kind of floating around the nba on the bucks the spurs the last couple years uh but yeah he played for the denver nuggets this past season averaged 8.6 points a game uh less than a rebound and one assist so not exactly stuffing the stat sheet but the man can shoot. The man can definitely shoot. He was traded to Denver midseason, by the way. He was on the Spurs uh, over the course of the year. 4.2 attempts, 41% from three. Oh, sorry, that's his career. Uh, this past season, he was 41% from three on 4.1 attempts. There's not much variation when it comes to the shooting of one Brian Forbes. His defense, also not much variation because it ain't very good. And that's probably, if you're going to start on reasons not to sign the guy, he's feels similar to me to a guy like Matt Thomas, who, yes, great shooter. Yes, he can come in and, and, you know, maybe sort of light it up for you for a second. But with the way Nick Nurse really prioritizes defense, it feels like Bryn Forbes is the type of guy you sign. He starts the season playing a little bit. And then by like three weeks into the year, you never see him again because Nick Nurse just can't stomach his lack of defense out there. You know, the odd zone busting you know, situation, maybe he, come, he becomes useful. It's nice to have those little pieces off your bench. But Bryn Forbes at 10 million bucks a year, which is what the mid-level exception is, that's not cutting it. Like that just seems like a poor allocation of funds. And, you know, maybe he goes for less, right? You know, he's not someone who's going to go command crazy money or anything like that because of his defensive deficiencies. Um, and, you know, he only made four and a half million dollars on his last contract. So maybe it's a similar thing to JaVale McGee, where you can get him in for half the mid-level. Maybe you do McGee and Bryn Forbes for the combined mid-level, and maybe you're okay with that, but... I would rather try to find a player who fits the defensive ethos of the team a little bit more. And I think we've talked about some of those guys, Kyle Anderson, DeLon Wright. If I'm going for a guard, it's going to be one guy who's like, guy, guys like that who can actually defend and kind of play the way the Raptors want their defenders to play, specifically at the guard position. And with Bryn Forbes, there's just, I don't think there's any hope for the defense there. This isn't Mo Bamba where you're like hoping that he can kind of scale up and improve and maybe get into the, the grasp of the Raptors development staff and figure it out. Like Bryn Forbes is 28 years old, just finished his age 28 season, so he'll be 29 next year. Um, I don't think there's like a whole lot in terms of growth coming from Bryn Forbes as a three as a defender, you know, the obvious argument in favor is just get some shooting on the damn roster. Someone who is a reliable, known commodity from downtown, who has been that for his entire career without any fail. His worst three-point shooting season came on six attempts in game in 2019-20. He shot 39%. Uh, so he's just a very, very good three-point shooter. I'm not counting his rookie year where he only played eight minutes a game and shot 32% and barely shot any threes. Um, so yeah, Bryn Forbes, if you are in the market for a shooter, he's maybe the best one who's out there in terms of just pure, proven, reliable, dead-eye shooter. But the other aspects of Bryn Forbes don't really do it for me. Let's go back to the hat. We'll throw Bryn Forbes away. I also forgot to throw Mo Bamba away, so we throw Mo Bamba away. And now we pick another name 
Is this good for the audio? Does this sound good on the audio? I don't know. Here we go. Next one here is Gary Harris. Gary Harris also of the Orlando Magic. A guy who I was not against the idea of trading for at the trade deadline. I uh, had some chats with our pal Philip Rossman Reich over at Locked On Magic about Gary Harris. See if there was maybe something there to sort of, you know, with the Drogic and whatever package. Obviously the package they ended up sending to the Spurs for Thad Young. I thought a similar type package for Gary Trent or Gary Harris could have been pretty interesting. You know, Harris is a fascinating player where I think because he got paid so much, his overall impact and value was kind of forgotten by people because he was making like an obscene amount of money for a guy with his level of production but he's a good player man like he's done valuable things for very good teams in the past he was probably the best defender on that nuggets team he was very instrumental to them beating the uh clippers in the bubble if i recall um and you know he was just part of that trade to uh, where, when was this trade? Oh, yeah, it was the uh, RJ Hampton. It was the Aaron Gordon trade. That's right. Uh, going back the other way is the salary matching in the Aaron Gordon trade. And, you know, the Nuggets needed Aaron Gordon, something fierce, and Harris was an easy guy to move on from. But, you know, I think if they had Gary Harris, like last season, maybe we're talking about the Nuggets not being so bereft of talent around Nikola Jokic. And, you know, a Harris and Gordon, you know, duet as like the second and third best guys is not great by any means. And Gary Harris certainly has his limitations. But as a defender and as a three-point shooter... I think you could do a lot worse. Um, you know, 36% from three this past season on seven, or sorry, that's 7.1 attempts a game over his entire career. Keep reading the career numbers. 7.1 attempts, 36%. Nothing to turn your nose up at. Last season for the Magic, 8.4 attempts a game, 38.4% from three on a team where nothing is happening on, happening on offense and there's not easy open looks. So the diet of shots that Gary Harris got last year, you would think would be a little bit easier uh, this year if he was to join the Toronto Raptors where there's lots of playmaking and other options to worry about if you're the defense. I kind of like this one as, you know, throw 10 million bucks at Gary Harris. You know, he's made a lot of money in his career. Maybe he just wants the place to kind of re rehab his value. That's not the Orlando Magic. And maybe that's the place that you can offer him, right? You know, he had a pretty decent year this year. To the point that there was some talk that the Magic might want to keep him around. 11.1 points a game, two, point, uh, two rebounds and two assists. So not like stuff in the stat sheet or anything like that. But you don't need him to stuff the stat sheet. You just need him to offer very sound defense. He's a steal-a-game guy. And I think as like a backup wing, oftentimes when you have your backup wings come in, the defense is going to drop off because you just don't have that many good defensive wings and guards on any NBA roster. But if you have Gary Harris as like your fourth guard, third guard, and he's there to you know provide more stable defense than say a Gary Trent Jr., you need a different look, but also have the, the knockdown three-point shooting. I think I could get on board with Gary Harris. Uh, Gary Harris. The problem with Gary Harris is that he has been hurt a whole lot. Uh, never played more. Uh, actually, since his second season, 76 games he played there. It since then is the most he's played in a game this season is 67. There's a 57, a 57, a 56, a 39, uh, you know, 61 games last season. So he's been unreliably, uh, you know, unreliable when it comes to his health, which sucks for him. It's a bummer, but you have to bake that in if you're signing a guy. And if you're signing a guy who might not be available for a quarter of the season based on his track record, 
is that what the Raptors really need? You know, they kind of need depth and just extra bodies out there to help limit the load on their main guys. And Gary Harris might not be able to do that because his body has betrayed him over the course of his career. Maybe in a lesser role, you know, instead of playing 28 minutes a game like he did last year in Orlando, he plays 18 to 20 with the Raptors. He stays fresher. He can kind of just come in and be a little bit of a microwave three-point shooter for you. Um, But I think the health is certainly the red flag when it comes to Gary Harris wanting to give him that money. You know, if you give him a one-year deal with the, you know, I've been a big fan of the one-year deal plus like a player option type thing for the next season. I think that's a a pretty reasonable thing to try out with a guy like Gary Harris or a lot of these guys who all are imperfect, all could probably stand to rehab their value. And the Raptors have had times in the past where they've rehabbed value of guys. They've also had guys like Aaron Baines completely lose all their value. So they're not like 100% at this. But, you know, Ronda Hellish Jefferson, as much as he didn't really get much of an NBA look after he was with the Raptors, he had a very good season that, in theory, probably should have gotten him paid somewhere. Um, You know, think about Bismack Biombo as well. Maybe Gary Harris is the next candidate for that. But again, the health, I think, is the red flag with Gary Harris for me. Let's do one last name here before we get to our pal Robert Ori. Our pal Robert Ori. It's more our pal Pete Bukowski talking with Robert Ori. Uh, But here we go. This next one here, uh, Torian Prince. That's an interesting one, too. Torian Prince, a guy who I think a lot of Raptors fans have sort of secretly fawned over in the past. He is long. He is, in theory, a good three-point shooter, a 37% shooter for his career. Um, you know, he, he's had some moments. He would fit, certainly, the sort of long-wing ethos of the team as well. And he was part of a team last year on the Wolves where... Off the bench for 61 of his 69 games, he was a pretty decent guy to throw in there, play some defense, you know, muck things up a little bit, knock down some threes. Again, we're not looking for a ton if you're the Toronto Raptors here in terms of what these guys are going to bring to the table. You're just looking for, like, reliable, steady minutes. And if you can get 18 minutes of Torian Prince just being a decent wing defender who can give a blow to OG Ananobi or Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam so they're not playing just such strenuous minutes, like... You compare what the Raptors had in terms of bench wings this year, which was mostly just Fee and Utah. Like Torian Prince, very obviously a more proven player than either of those guys. You know, he's had some moments back in his early days with the Hawks where he looked like he was going to be something more than just like a bench 3 and D dude. But if he can just come in and, and be a bench 3 and D dude for 10 million bucks a year, I think that's reasonable. He also might not even command that, right? Like he has not been, I think, the apple of a lot of people's eyes. I think he's sort of one of those guys where the numbers don't necessarily back up how good people claim him to be. He made 15 million bucks last year, which feels like a lot. <laughs> and uh, I wonder if maybe there's a, like a sort of a, a bit of a crash back to earth in terms of what he's earning. Um, but yeah, Torian Prince, I think, would be a pretty reasonable option for the Raptors. Again, though, I think the other side of it is He's always kind of looked like a better basketball player than his on-court production has necessarily suggested or proven. You know, he couldn't stick with the Brooklyn Nets, for example, a team that, uh, you know, they traded him after he played 12 games last season with the big three. They shipped him off in that Cleveland trade uh, to go get James Harden. And I guess the, yeah, he ended up with Cleveland going to Houston, blah, 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 blah. Stupid trade. Very, very, very convoluted. But, um, you know, I, I think... Had they really valued Tory and Prince, I don't think like he was like a huge sort of like, let's just put it this way. If the Nets didn't want to trade Tory and Prince in that deal, they probably could have found a way not to do it. Um, you know, obviously the financial implications and everything were there and he did make a pretty reasonable sum of money. But I, I think, you know, there were other guys they could have dealt to make that happen. Spencer Dinwiddie, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't think 
you know, there's ever really been a team that's like prized Torian Prince as a great piece to have around, and maybe that's a red flag. But as far as what the Raptors are looking for, I think it kind of checks the boxes as a low usage, probably low minutes-ish uh, defender and shooter off the bench who is going to bring a little bit of meanness to the table, which never hurt anybody except for the people who are getting hurt by the meanness. Uh, with that, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for uh, partaking in this sort of slapdash edition of the uh, mid-level madness. We'll bring it back again. I'll get a guest for it next time because it kind of makes it a little bit more fun to go back and forth. But I do like running through these names. There's lots of names to think about and, and sort of consider. And glad we were able to go through five of them today. Of the guys we talked about today, I think Gary Harris is probably my favorite option uh, with maybe Mo Bamba being a... Actually, no, JaVale McGee is number two. What are we talking about? <laughs> it's it's Gary Harris, JaVale McGee. Find a way to get both those guys in the house and boy, you're cooking with a really, really fun and uh, I think effective bench. So... I'll throw those guys away, and we will hit the break on the other side. You will hear from Pete Bukowski talking to Robert Ori about the NBA Finals, which begin tonight. I know, the Celtics, blah, who cares? But uh, it's a really great chat. Robert Ori, he's uh, seen some things in the NBA Finals. So that's a little treat for you coming up here. I will, this is the last you'll see of me today, so thank you very much. No episode on Monday or on Friday, actually. Friday or Monday, I'm going to be traveling, so no episode. But on Tuesday, we got a very fun episode planned with Vivek Jacobs. Sort of a thought exercise as to what's the best trade package, period, the Raptors could put together, and what's the best player they could get in exchange for literally anyone on the roster. No untouchable. Scotty Barnes, all the first-round picks, Pascal Siakam, everything's available. What's the most reasonable trade offer the team could make for some kind of superstar we're not suggesting they should trade Scotty Barnes, who I think 100% should be untouchable, but it's a fun thought exercise, and it's the offseason, baby. We're going to have some barroom chat about trades, and it's going to be fun to dig into. So that's coming up on Tuesday with Vivek. We'll also dig into Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell next week as well. So that should be fun and informative. With that, we'll leave you there, and we will uh, bring up Robert Ori with Pete Bukowski on the other side. Before we do that, though, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting stats and info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, please just bet on the Warriors for fun, to make yourself happy. Don't bet on the Celtics. It's disgusting. The NHL hockey, the initial conference finals are going on right now as well. Like I said yesterday, put money on the over in the uh, Oilers Avalanche series anytime you can because they're going to score a bazillion goals every night because the goalies stink and everyone else on the floor or on the floor on the ice is like the best player in the world uh it's like the four of the 10 best players alive are playing in that series it's incredible so go and check it out bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering info including live betting esports and more head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online is where the game starts we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93 percent of employees Employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And now let's get to the chat with Pete Bukowski and Robert Ori about the NBA Finals, which start tonight. The Golden State Warriors are minus 150, the favorites in the NBA Finals against the Boston Celtics. Joining me now, Robert Ory, seven-time NBA champion, is here courtesy of Bet Online. Check out Bet Online for all the up-to-date lines on the NBA Finals. 
finals MVP, finals props, and each and every game line. This is great to have you here. Why do you think, because the line has moved a little bit in, in the Celtics' favor, why do you think there are people that like the Celtics matchup against the Warriors? Because the smart people know defense wins championships. Mm. And if you look at the Celtics team, they got two players on that team that made the all-defensive team. You know, smart, of course, defensive player of the year. But Robert Williams is one of those guys that is an eraser. He can block shots. He can, you know, you know, he can erase a lot of mistakes that you make on the perimeter. And you think about it, you got Brown, Tatum, and Smart who can get up on people defensively and funnel them to that guy. Next thing you know, it's getting blocked. And if you look at the way, you know, Harford has been playing, he's turned back the hands of time. He's blocking <laughs> shots again. So if you, overall, I think that the, the, the Celtics is a better defensive team than the Warriors because even though you have Draymond Green, Green Clay Thompson is not the Clay Thompson of old who can do the things he's used to be able to do. And, and, and so I just think that's, that's a big key for them, for the Celtics, that is. How do you see defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, matching up with, with Steph Curry? Is that going to be something where you see that Marcus is going to pick him up 94 feet? Like, how do you think Smart is going to approach that assignment if he does get that assignment, which we assume he's going to? But you know what? I don't think it's going to be a one-man job. If you look at the Celtics, they one, two, three are all athletic guys, and you go to the two, Jalen, and go to the Tatum, they get taller. You know, it's like yeah. like the bars on a cell phone. And I think even, even though they like to do a lot of switching, I think they're 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 perfect for this matchup. It's a perfect matchup for for the Celtics and when they got the guards, and because you know Clay is going to be constantly moving, and so sort of you know not the same as a Jimmy Butler or Tyler Hero, but I think this what they just did against the Heat is like a a, a prelude to a preclude to what they're going to do. And so I think they're going to be fine defensively switching and getting ready for Steph. It sounds like you like the Celtics in this one. You know, all my Laker fans are going to be mad at me because they said you cannot <laughs> wear anything green. You can never root for the Celtics. I'm not rooting for the Celtics. You know, I, I would like to see my former teammate, Emil Duco, win his first championship. You know, so I would like for that to happen. But, you know, I just think being the basketball mindset, I just think that there, there's a good chance the Celtics could win this thing. All right, so we have some odds here. Celtics in six is plus 375. Celtics in seven is plus 650. If people are going to bet on it, what is what is your prediction if you like Boston? Six, seven? Hey, you know what? If you, you try to make some money, right? <laughs> that's, why you, that's why you gamble. And so I will go with the Celtics in seven because I think the Celtics have been a battle-tested team on the road. They've won a lot of games on the road. They just won the Eastern Conference on the road. And so I think they're ready. Not saying everybody would say, well, the, you know, the Heat is a different monster than, you know, the Warriors and blah, blah, blah. But I still think it all boils down to having confidence and playing well on the road and, and believing that you can win on the road. There has also been this discussion now, especially among Celtics fans, about what this Celtics team has had to face, what, particularly who had Jason Tatum has had to face. Kevin Durant in the first round, Giannis Antetokounmpo in the second round, Jimmy Butler on a heater no pun intended for Miami. And now Steph Curry, you're talking about at least three Pantheon guys, guys who are all time great players. Who do you think has the most on the line legacy wise in this series for whom would that one title you won seven, who would that one title mean the most for? You know, I'm, I'm going to go off script a little bit. And, and I, 
I'm going to stop people from thinking this is going to be the greatest run ever by the Celtics. That's not true because you got Hornet set Carmelo. You got Kevin Johnson, Charles Barkley. You got Dennis Rodman, uh, MVP, David Robinson. Then you got Shaquille and Penny. Now that is the greatest run in, back in 95. So when people say this might be the greatest run, stop it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because all these teams was 50, you know, 55, 50 plus win teams. And so I just think if you, if you look at this game and you have to pick an MVP, you know, of course, it's, it's going to be it Tatum. But this run that the Celtics are on is incredible. You know, don't get me wrong because they've been able to win on the road, which is key because you have to run on the road in order to win championship. That's if, unless you have home court advantage and you protect your home court. But I just think overall, when you look at the makeup of these two teams, they're similar. You know, Golden State Warriors, they were the Celtics six, seven years ago when they first entered the playoffs. And nobody thought they could win a championship. Next thing you know, they win a championship. In the following season, they win all these games and don't win a championship. And then they get KD and they win two more. But I think if you look at the Celtics, there are so there are so many similarities with these teams that people are always going to say, oh, let's go with the veteran leadership. Let's go with the fan favorite and Steph. You know, let's think, let's think about it. Because everybody wants Steph to win because we know he got robbed one time with the MVP in the finals. And then he's take, he took a step back and let KD come in to his team, which is Steph's team, and take two MVPs. And so I, 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 I do think Steph has a lot to prove, and his legacy is on the line when it comes to this because, you know, all the chatter now is about him not having an MVP in the finals, which we all know he was robbed of one, so let's, let's be real about that. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking at these MVP odds as you're talking about the MVP and and we expect Curry and Tatum right at the top in terms of the odds. You're not getting really good value there. I'm looking at Jalen Brown, 10 to one. I'm looking at Draymond 22 to one. Like if he really turned it up defensively, people forget in that game seven against the Cavs, he had a triple double in that game. He was the best warrior on the floor in that game. I'm looking at Marcus smart at 40 to one. It seems like you're, you can get some good value and we've seen, including in this Warriors run, that it's not always the stars who win these finals MVPs. It's true. You know, for me, if if I wanted to take the odds, I'm, I'm going to eliminate the top three automatically. And I don't I don't think Clay is, you know, you know, Clay is a game five, game six type of player. But me, I would go with Andrew Wiggins. If I had to mm. pick someone with the odds, I would go with Andrew Wiggins, who is 20 to one. And think about it. He has started to come into his own. Yeah. He, after that dunk on, on, <laughs> on Luca, all of a sudden this dude is smiling big. He's he's enthusiastic. He's playing hard, and he's an all star. You know, I think some people forget he was an all star. I think this is a good way in the biggest stage to show everybody that the all star uh, committee didn't make a mistake. So if I had to take all because I don't think Draymond Green he don't shoot he doesn't shoot enough, and he's gonna have to guard too many people, so he's gonna be all over the board that. So if you look down that list of people and you want to say oh, odds maker, for me, I would take Andrew Wiggins 20 to one. That is, I, I mean, that, that's bold. I love it. Uh, I think you're right that that he he seems to be a different player. Just in the Warriors, just in Golden State, he seems to have been unlocked a little bit, whether that's Steve Kerr, whether that's just him feeling more comfortable. We're talking about legacy. And you have been on some teams that have gone on these multi-year runs that have been what we, we might consider dynastic, right? There have been some discussions here. If the Warriors win one, that because it's the Clay, Steph, Draymond core with Steve Kerr, that this has to be considered part of 
the Warriors run and that we have to call them a dynastic team. Where do you fall on that discussion? If they win one, are they a dynasty? You know what? It's, it's, I will put them in that category as a dynasty. <clears throat> you know, if you, if you, because they was riddled with injuries. Right. Two years, Clay was out and Steph went out. You know, you, you say, okay, we'll give them, we'll give them a Phil Jackson asterisk by those two years. But if they were to get back to the mountaintop and win this year, I, I would put them, you know, you got one more step to be a dynasty. And then if they go to the finals again, then I would give them a dynasty. But, you know, think about this. They gave us a dynasty in the Lakers. We won three in a row. And next thing you know, they dismount a team. They go back and lose. It's considered a dynasty. So, you know, if you, to me, there's only been, you know, three dynasties in this Bulls, the Celtics, and the Lakers because they're in a situation where they went six plus championships. You know, I, I, that's where you look at. But in this day, in this era, you can give them a dynasty. I think I think you I, I I would I would consider the Spurs the Tim Duncan Greg Popovich Spurs in that mix, but they never won back to back titles, and so it depends on how you want to qualify it. Sustained yeah. success not always enough. I, I think if you're a Boston fan, you're going, why can't we have that sustained run? We've got these two young superstars, Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year, who's coming into his own a little bit defensively. It seems like they've unlocked some things with him as their pure point guard in initiating offense because he doesn't have to create for everyone. They've got Tatum and Brown who can create for themselves. I mean, this, what, what do you think the chances are that they could be not the next dynasty, but the next team that you have to deal with in the Eastern conference? Like, okay, they're going to be there every year until further notice. You know, I, I think you look down that line and you says, okay, Tatum, first team, Max, Brown, Max, smart, Max. These are super max contracts. These guys yeah, potentially can get. So right. now we're, you know, if you, since I cover the Lakers, the Lakers got $40 million guys, three forty million guys, they can't get nobody else on the team unless they do some hell of a drafting, you know, and, and they get those guys that's going to be there, but it boils down to payday, man. If you're going to stick around and get paid, or you're going to have that one falter and say, Oh, you know, we didn't win a championship. We need to make a move because, you know, they exported us in this area. We need to get someone in and they trade one of those guys, you know, People do dumb things like that. Well, GMs, I should say. So I think they have the potential to make a long run. They're just going to have to stick together and do what a Tim Duncan would do and say, you know what, I'm going to take less money. So you can sign a Tony Park, you sign a Manu Ginobili. But are these guys now, you know, selfless enough with this? Say, hey, you know what? I don't want to make 40 million. I make 30 million. You know, I, I don't think so. I think every, now, every guy now is trying to get their bag so they can say, you know what? At one point in my career, I was making 50, 40 million, whatever it may be. So I don't, that's going to be the key though. It boils down to money. If they can keep that team together. All right. Not a finals question, but I can't talk to big shot Bob and not ask you this question. Which of your big shots is your favorite? You know, um, I grew up a Lakers fan, a huge Magic Johnson fan. And one of my biggest thrills before I even made to the NBA, I got to play one-on-one with Magic when I was being scouted by the Lakers coming out of college, coming out of University of Alabama. So the shot I made against the Sacramento Kings in 2001 to win that game is probably my favorite. And I, don't get me wrong, I love what I did in Houston. I love what I did in San Antonio. But everything I did in, in San Antonio was on the road, game five on the road. But this was at home in Staples Center. And the ego comes into play where you want to hear that crowd chant your name, man. And you run off the court and the crowd still chanting your name. You're in the locker room. You can still hear them chanting your name. So I think that shot, it, it, 
it, it takes over all the other shots just for the ego. You know, we are all as athletes got some type of ego. And I think for me, that just takes over because I had the Laker fans chanting my name. They weren't chanting Shaq. They weren't chanting Kobe. They were chanting Ori. So that's a big plus for me. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.